This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We got 10 pounds of flour in a five-pound bag from a very busy Mets weekend. Yes, they got a hitter from the Cubs, but not Chris Bryant. Yes, they got a guy named Trevor, but it was a pitcher, not a shortstop. Yes, they rocked the black jerseys for the first time since 2011, but no, they didn't play very well wearing them. Yes, they had drafted a stud in the first round of the draft this year, but no, they will not sign him. And yes, we got some long-awaited news on Jacob deGrom, but no, it wasn't very good. That Wetzel's pretzel of an open gets untwisted momentarily. Lots to do, so let's go. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. Not to exaggerate the claim, but what a weekend. I think the greatest thing ever in the history of the universe is exaggeration. But uh, no kidding, there was a lot going on as the Mets unfortunately lost two out of three. They traded for a rock star and they shuffled the roster some more. Josh Lewin with you. If you're wearing sleeves, roll them up. Let's get busy. If you're not wearing sleeves, go put some on. You'll catch a cold. Uh, The Mets' first place lead has been whittled to three. But Javier Baez has arrived. El Mago, Spanish for the magician. Two-time Cubs All-Star, not the first middle infield Baez the Mets have employed, by the way. Anyone remember Kevin Baez? Early 90s Met, Brooklyn-born, Lafayette High School guy. Sandy Koufax from out of there. John Franco, Pete Falcone. Kevin Baez, too, who last I heard now works as an instructor at Play Like a Pro in Hopog. Anyway, uh, the universe does have a sense of humor. Javi Baez debuting as a Met against the Reds, the team he all but fought 1 versus 25 all year in Chicago. He and Amir Garrett have developed, uh, shall we say, an interesting relationship. And bam, there you go. You got uh, Baez against the Reds again. Javi's reaction upon hearing the news that he'd still be wearing blue pinstripes, but in New York and not Chicago. You know, it's it's just a lot of emotions, you know, because... Just the way the way Risa went out, and, and you know the way that that at least I grew up in in the organization, it was um, it was a really big thing for me and, and and our family. And you know, at the same time, we we obviously understand the the, the business side, and and we had a really good conversation and good communication with the front office. And and you know, it was it was a it was a, a surprise thing for for my family and for and for me. But at the same time, you know, we 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 obviously are ready to to move on and and. You know, obviously, really excited to, to be here right now. He'll be wearing 23, like a Chicago basketball icon of some renown. Couldn't wear his customary 9 here, because that's Brandon Nimmo's number. I thought he'd go with 8, which would have set up a perfect math equation on a double play. Baez to Lindor to Alonzo, 8 plus 12 is 20. Ah, oh well. So, in, uh, in landing Baez, the Mets have acquired someone who fits one of this year's themes. That is, he's a big-time flashy name. Who's having a down season, leading the National League with 135 strikeouts, only 15 walks, 
And it's true, uh, this season's been something less than his usual all-star self. He's hitting in the 240s, OBP of not even 300. And after winning his first gold glove last year, his advanced defensive metrics are down in 21. But he is capable of making plays he'll talk about for weeks. Another but, uh, he has 23 home runs now and 67 runs batted in. I think Baez is yet another Met who's very simply due for some regression to the mean, the kind of which Pete Alonso has already found since the home run derby. You look at the career numbers on the back of the baseball card and the fact that he's only 28, this could be really good for both sides. Baez turned down a contract extension that could have kept him in Chicago, paid him like his good buddy Lindor. Now he's hungry to reestablish his credentials in free agency. He'll be doing that as a Met. Lindor and Baez, by the way, they were drafted consecutively in the 2011 draft. Lindor 8th, Baez ninth overall. A flashy big swinger brought in on July 31st. Sign me up for that because that was Joanna Cespedes six years ago, and that trade put the Mets in the World Series. Now, let me bring the room down for a sec. The cost to get him and eventually pair him with Lindor was Pete Crow Armstrong, a legit prospect, one of the better ones to move at the deadline, really. Mets first rounder last year, getting his first taste of professional action this summer. Very tiny sample, but he had been on base 18 of his uh, first 32 plate appearances in A-ball. He's been described as a future gold glove caliber type defender, like a Jim Edmonds-ish kind of guy. And he will always be known as the son of the actress who played the mom in Little Big League, watching her 12-year-old son manage the Minnesota Twins and eventually getting with Timothy Busfield. Not a halfway decent movie. But with Baez, uh, unmatched baseball instincts, and he's got the incredible power, he could win an infielder skills competition and the home run derby. So if he were an NBA player, it's like this is a guy who could win the dunk contest and the three-point shooting contest. Now, for the give-and-take element of the man who is not a perfect player by any stretch, case in point, his major league debut, homered, but also struck out three times. Joe Madden, when he managed him in Chicago, said he attacks the ball as if the ball had just insulted his mom. If he was a golfer, he'd be John Daly, just trying to crush everything off the tee. But there's a subtlety in the field, Tobias, that you don't see up at the plate. Uh, His ability to steal bases in creative ways. Uh, He's an amazing tagger, which is a a very underrated thing. But uh, like Lindor, Born in Puerto Rico, then moved up to Florida, like Daniel Murphy, went to high school in Jacksonville back in the day, like Vince Coleman did. That Chipper Jones did that, too, so that kind of evens out. But while in high school, Baez got the Major League Baseball logo tattooed on the back of his neck. So that was not a 16-year-old hurting for confidence. And sure enough, 12 years later, chance to be a difference maker in New York. He will exasperate you sometimes. He once went 183 plate appearances in a row without an unintentional walk. But he will dazzle you, too. Again, that reminds me a lot of Cespedes. Once he takes over at second base, the question becomes who plays third. You need Jeff McNeil's bat in the lineup, certainly against righties. Uh, So he'll go over there a little bit. J.D. Davis is still around, and I know his fielding has never been phenomenal. Minus 21 defensive runs saved across his five big league seasons. But the Mets will be covered at third, and they'll have the most watchable up-the-middle infield defense for the Mets since, uh, well, since Ray Ordonez was around. The other player acquired in the trade, the veteran pitcher Trevor Williams. And the Mets need innings. He's hopefully going to be a dependable source of those after a pit stop in Syracuse. We never think of him as a high strikeout guy, but he's pushed his strikeout rate to over one per inning this year. 
Key for him is balance. Uh, his need to nibble with making mistakes over the plate results in a lot of home runs. Maybe moving to City Field will help him a bit in that regard. His mistakes, some of them anyway, will turn into some long outs. But the pedigree, he had a, an all-star worthy season for the Pirates in 18. 3.1 ERA with 14 wins. Since then, an ERA of about five and a half, including this year with the Cubs. He'll throw his fastball about half the time. He's got a good slider as a secondary pitch. Uh, he'll be needed maybe sooner than later because the other news of note from the weekend, a setback for Jacob deGrom. Jake experienced additional inflammation in that elbow after he threw a bullpen session Thursday. So it, it's a September return, best case scenario now. That 1.08 ERA would be welcome at this point. He was well on his way to his third Cy Young Award in four years before he started missing all this time. The uh, third ailment that he's had to deal with here in 2021. So before we get into the games played against the Reds this weekend, big picture with all the trades, the Mets did get better. The Phillies, eh, they got marginally better. The Braves definitely got better. Those are the two teams, the Phillies and the Braves, who will be the horses coming up on the outside. And the team that got so much weaker this weekend, Washington, well, the Mets will play those guys 11 of their final 50-odd games, which is great. However, out west, the Dodgers and Giants got better at the deadline, and they were already outstanding. The Mets play those teams 13 times in a stretch of 14 days a couple weeks from now, and they will do that without DeGrom and very likely without Lindor. Not ideal. Speaking of the NL West, the Rockies didn't move a single player after all that. The Cubs and Nationals moved almost everybody, then played each other this weekend. It was like two fencers unsheathing their swords, then handing the swords to someone else, and then hitting each other with the little sleeves the swords were in. Uh, note, by the way, that five of the last eight World Series winners made significant additions to their pitching rotation at the trade deadline, something the Mets were not able to do. Of course, there wasn't really anything out there, but... The 18 Red Sox brought in Evaldi. The 17 Astros were able to go get Verlander. The 15 Royals had Johnny Cueto come in. Both the 14 Giants and 13 Red Sox brought in Jake Peavy. Pitching difference makers. The Mets are rolling the dice that a hitter makes a difference for them. That man is El Mago. All right, three games against Cincinnati. Let's get to them. The Mets had gone into the weekend a pretty uninspiring 22-23 and 23 in their last 45, but they lost no ground whatsoever in that time. They had just scored 11 runs in five games against Atlanta, and the hope was the bats would come alive against the Reds, especially with Joey Votto cranking out home runs like State Farm cranks out commercials with Jake. Uh, Friday began, uh, began as, uh, I would say, as inauspiciously as possible. All the whoop de do about Carlos Carrasco finally being on the mound. The Mets back in black with the uniforms. First pitch of the series. Wah, wah. A home run from Jonathan India? It's like a tiny pin popping this big balloon. Now, uh, Carrasco did settle down, but that first pitch home run, it was shades of the, the 1987 American League season beginning in Detroit. Opening day, Jack Morris allows the first pitch home run to Dwight Evans. Postscript on that, the Tigers made the playoffs, and Morris got votes for both Cy Young and MVP, just saying. Carrasco ended up pitching well on Friday. Four strong innings would follow, but the Mets' offense would crater and they would lose this game. Carrasco's career record, 88-74 and 74 now, and I think that's a fair prediction for the Mets' record at the end of the season. That's what they're on pace for, which may just be enough to win this watered-down pop-gun NL East. Reds winning that game, as I mentioned, with Joey Votto being the Reds' centerpiece yet again. 
Uh, not only did he hit a home run in his seventh straight game, as he got near home plate, he gave it the full-on Jamie Tart from Ted Lasso, pointing to his name and saying, me, me. Drew Smith gave up that home run, and well, Ted Lasso's advice. You know what animal has the shortest memory? A goldfish. Be a goldfish, Drew. On a Saturday, the Mets were down 4-1 to one after a home run from the guy who uh, just always seems to have big hits against the Mets for some reason, Eugenio Suarez. But then, a chance for Baez to go bye-bye. One-two pitch. Baez hits it deep to left field. Winker going back. Takes a look. And there she goes. Javi Baez with his first home run as a New York Met. Hitting it over the great wall of Flushing into the lower left field stands to the right of the 358 mark. It's his 23rd home run of the year. Taking a nice slow trot around the bases. Claps his hands as he hits third base and jogs home. Having put the Mets right back in this game, it is the Reds four, the Mets three. Howie Rose with the call on WCBS. Pow, right in the kisser. Baez becoming the 30th player to homer in his Mets debut. The dearly departed Aaron Altair had been the last to do it. After Baez returned to the dugout, uh, everybody was chanting. He obliged with a curtain call, both of his arms up over his head in celebration. Dom Smith would tie this game in the bottom of the ninth, with the Mets down to their last strike, a single up the middle against a lefty especially brought in to face him. You live by the book, you die by the book. David Bell, if you'd listened to Mets in the morning last Friday, we told you, Dom hits 100 points higher this year against lefties and righties. We gave you the answer key. Don't overthink this stuff. The Smith base hit set up an eventual 10th inning that was really interesting. The the Reds had runners at the corners, nobody out. Then Edwin Diaz just put on the superhero cape, struck out two in a row, including Votto, who had missed by inches back in the eighth on what would have been his eighth straight game with a home run. So bottom 10, game still tied. Mets get their flair for the dramatic guy up there, not Javi Baez. Now, the pride of Grants Pass, Oregon, Brandon Drury. Pitch. Drury, it's a line drive, base hit, into right field, Pilar's being waved around third, coming up the throw from Winker, it's not in time, Pilar scores safely, Brandon Drury gets another hit, and the Mets win, they beat the Reds 5-4-10, and and Brandon Drury getting mobbed between second and third, as he reached out on a two-strike pitch, poked a base hit to right field. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS, and Drury at that point, 11 for 15 at the plate since his call-up. Is a 733 batting average good? Big win on a big night, also the night that three new Mets Hall of Famers were introduced, and that was really a nice warm half hour before the game started. John Matlack, who once pitched a two-hit shutout in the playoffs against these very same Cincinnati Reds, talked to Ed Coleman about that. I didn't always come away with the W that you wouldn't want to have, but I didn't measure my games win or loss. I measured them. Did I keep us in the game as long as I was out there? And that's what I looked at as my job. Stay out there as long as you can. Keep us up or down a run. We got a chance to win. Speaking of pitching, Ron Darling, also into the Mets Hall of Fame, and Ronnie was all about sharing the love during his induction speech. I have an honor to watch every night. And I want a championship season for them. They got a championship manager, championship ownership group, and they have championship players. Can't wait to watch it. And the final inductee, Edgardo Alfonso, he too, in his speech, made it very little about himself. Baseball is a tough, it's a tough game. Nobody can play alone. 
You guys made that easy for me. Thank you. A lot of former teammates on hand for the festivities at Trainpool. Keith Hernandez, Carlos Baerga, Ray Ordonez, Mike Piazza, a white-haired Bobby Valentine. Uh, we should also note the late Al Jackson was also honored prior to the game, the recipient of the Hall of Fame Achievement Award. So great vibes at the beginning of Saturday night, even better ones at the end with a walk-off win. And that brings us to the splat that was Sunday. The Reds, the early lead against Marcus Stroman on a home run by Max Schrock. You thought it was tough to say Brandon Drury five times fast? You would be hospitalized trying to do that with Max Schrock. Votto getting a day off, the filet mignon of Reds on the bench. And what happens is backup, Max Schrock has a career-high four hits. No Votto sirloin, but on the menu instead, say it with me, Schrock lobster. Sorry. The Mets were out hit by Max Schrock. 4-3 4-3 that final. And the final of the ball game was 7-1. Here's manager Luis Rojas talking to the media after it was done. Hey, Luis, what was uh, Gutierrez able to do so well against you guys today? Uh, well, uh, the, the kids got good stuff. Um, you know, we've, we advanced him in Cincinnati. He pitched the first game against us, and we advanced him today again. And uh, he's got good stuff. And uh, the command can, can be erratic at times. He won't necessarily execute with command. And, uh, uh, I mean, I thought today he was uh, mixing all his pitches, but we chased a lot. We were probably overly aggressive against him. Um, we expanded uh, too much, uh, and uh, I think we, we got ourselves in trouble because of that. Um, it's almost like we were in between with our approach and, uh, you know, at-bat to at-bat. It just didn't, didn't put a good team approach out there against him. What do you think has held this team back as a group from really putting together a, a significant sustained offensive stretch. It looked like out of the break, you guys, you know, may have, have finally turned that corner. And then on this homestand, you know, averaging under three runs per game, what, what's been the, the, I guess, overall factor that you think has, uh, has led to this just not coming together the way that you thought it would so far? Well, uh, that's one of it. You know, there's a sample uh, today of, uh, you know, the, the things that have gotten us in trouble is just that type of approach. And that's why I keep mentioning Brandon Nemo uh, when he's in the lineup and his ability to get into deep counts and just to show everybody what the pitcher has. And uh, I think it sets a tone for everyone just to go in there and see, um, look for something and find it. Agreed. The Mets made Gutierrez throw only 80 pitches to get through his seven innings. Jeff McNeil's solo homer, the only Mets scoring, as Gutierrez beat Stroman, who lasted five and two-thirds. He allowed four runs. So the Mets had taken two or three from the Reds at their place. Strike that, reverse it. The Reds returned the favor this past weekend. And as we unpack some of the on-field stuff from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'll give you a tale of three lefty swingers. We mentioned McNeil. He had his career-best 16-game hit streak stopped on Saturday, but he started another on Sunday with that home run to center. Another first-pitch home run for McNeil. 19 of his 36 career home runs have come on that first-pitch ambush. Conforto, another rough afternoon, though he did coax a walk. His batting average is down to 196. And Nimmo, he tweaked his hamstring Friday. Thankfully, was back in the lineup Sunday. Nimmo has a tie into Javi Baez, by the way. Ten years ago, the Mets went into that 2011 draft hoping Baez would be there for them with the 13th pick, only to see the Cubs take him at number nine. So instead, they picked, yes, Brandon Nimmo. We're going to get to the draft again in just a moment. But the, the final eight games of this homestand, the Mets only scored 19 runs. 
Hopefully, Baez, as the team heads out on the road, will be the match that ignites the fire because the Mets are now heading to Miami. We'll get to the Marlins in a second. But uh, the piece of news that has some long-term implications, I mentioned the draft from this past July. Kumar Rocker, the Mets' first-round pick, the star pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Well, let's just say the mutual excitement of the night of the draft kind of evaporated over the last few weeks. Rocker's camp, led by Scott Boris, insisted that, hey, the pitcher's healthy. Uh, let's get him that enormous signing bonus. Guy threw 122 innings this year. He's fine. The Mets, though, expressed concerns over the health of Rocker's arm after that physical he took last week. How did it resolve? There is no Kumar Rocker signing. Now, the Mets will get a compensation pick next year following the 10th overall pick. And this happened with the Astros and Brady Aiken in 2014. Drafted him first overall, failed to sign him. Three years later, they won a World Series. Brought in Alex Bregman and all that. Now, this is not how the Mets had hoped this would work out, obviously. I was remembering R.A. Dickey when he first uh, was a first-round pick of Texas, and Dickey signed at a lesser price, got that worked out. But the Mets obviously saw something that spooked them with Rocker's medical report, uh, no deal, no Kumar Rocker. So instead, pick number 11 in next year's draft, in addition to the Mets' regular first-round pick. As for what's next, well, the Mets do go play Don Mattingly's Marlins, although without Don Mattingly, in theory, he's in COVID protocol right now. There have been some crazy games against this team already this year. Uh, I jumped to the extra innings affair on May 21st that had the 12th inning RBI hits from Khalil Lee and Janesui Vargas. The Marlins, they're the National League's close but no cigar team. They've got 61 losses, but 38 have been by one or two runs. They've got 23 one-run losses. Uh, A lot of those times they've had the tying man at the plate right at the end or the winning man at the plate, but from the files of it is what it is. The Marlins are the last place team in the East. They're 44 and 61. Mets are 55 and 49 now. Their lead over Philly trimmed down to three. Four games against the Marlins starting tonight. Miami with Jesus Aguilar leading the National League in RBIs. And Adam Duvall had been running second, although he's now been traded to Atlanta. Who knew that the Marlins had the top two RBI guys in the league this whole time? Pitch will come your way a little after 7 o'clock tonight. You can hear it on WCBS. You can see it on SNY. Meantime, we urge you to keep on listening to our little show every Monday through Friday. Tell a friend to tell an enemy. Subscribe, review, hopefully nicely, or at least tactfully. Don't just write, this sucks, and hit send, because come on, you, you can do better than that. Many thanks to our Mets in the morning house band, too. Let's meet the guys on keyboards. Lenny Harris, slapping the bass. It's Lasting's Millage. The horn section is A.J. Ramos. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, Moro Goose Gazzo. Once again, the final from Sunday at City Field. It was Cincinnati 7 and the Mets 1.